And we're recording. Take 644. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Read Pod. Amazing to have you all here. Long time between pods. Those that have been listening would know I have uh, been over at the Brass Monkey Pod with fellow co-host extraordinaire Sozwa recording weekly and sometimes two times a week pods over there. So if you go over, uh, jump on iTunes or wherever you listen to the podcast and search the Brass Monkey Pod, you will find uh, you'll find what I've been up to. I'm going to be basically doing more podcasts over there. I'm going to keep up um, recording a few over here, ones that don't sort of fit into the Brass Monkey um, Brass Monkey format. Um, but yeah, it's uh, we've our last pods uh, done really well. We uh, obviously discussed um, a few of the major um, major issues that are coming up at the moment, which was George Pell. Uh, what else did we do? We did a few other ones. It's very hard to remember after you've done after you've uh, finished up with a pod. Um, one thing we didn't touch on was uh, this recent um, podcast, Joe Rogan podcast, which we just didn't get a chance to discuss. We had too many uh, other topics on the go, but I wanted to touch on that on this pod and then we're going to do a bit of, uh, we're going to talk about Ilan Omar um, and then we are going to jump into some gambling. It's been fucking way too long since we've done some gambling. I mean, that's really what, people originally loved about the read pod so we need to we need to get back to our roots and, and get back into some gambling chat um uh so so we're going to wrap up this podcast with going through the world surf league and having a look at the world champion odds and having a look at a few surfers that we think could be worth throwing some money on we're going to do bring back our mysterious $500 bet and and uh, and start and start looking at that again and trying to get some winners because that's what it's all about, isn't it? So you want some winners for your week. You're sitting at your desk, you're hating it, and you're just like, or maybe you're driving in the car and you're just like, what do I need right now is a couple of freaking winners. And the report has been good for um has been good for winners. So. We are we're going to tap into that. As mentioned, I wanted to start off by um, um, basically doing a quick recap of the Joe Rogan and um, Joe Rogan and Alex Jones podcast. Those that don't know Alex Jones, he's a conservative. He's a he's a um, as many would say, a conspiracy theorist who runs a website called Infowars.com. Um, it's highly um, combative, I'd say, sort of journalism. It's extremely in your face. And of late, he's been pushing a pro-Trump agenda for probably the last few years. Uh, it's... It's strange. Um, he's definitely an interesting 
interesting guests on the Joe Rogan podcast, but one of them, one of my issues with the whole setup and, and what was happening was uh, Joe Rogan just once again didn't ask any poignant, important questions to a guest that really has a lot to explain for himself. Um, first of all, why he's just purely pushing a Trump agenda. I would like to know with all the other bullshit that he pushes on his side and you know, whether you believe it or not, but why is this guy purely just pushing a Trump agenda? Um, obviously, he's not going to say he's got paid or he's got funded or so whatever else, but I'm interested to work out what the fuck is behind his narrative that he keeps on pushing because it really makes no sense to me why this guy who has been in the sort of conspiracy community for a very long time and he was one of the sort of people that freaked out over Y2K back in the day. And, um, yeah, I just find it uh, interesting that he's purely, purely supporting Trump. So I wasn't going to go too long into the podcast because you can all go watch it and I don't want to do a podcast on a podcast. But I'm definitely going to stop. Not that I ever took Alex Jones seriously, but I don't think I'm going to talk about him much anymore on this podcast unless someone brings him up or whatever else because I just feel like he is a walking ego and he's looking purely, purely to further his own um, image and looking to just swell that head of his Um it was interesting at about hours in, Joe Rogan did his customary spark of the joint and um, Joe mentioned that he did believe that marijuana can cause psychosis, which for someone that has or something like that, he said um, psychiatric issues or some shit, you'd have to go back to it and about an hour in. And for someone that's been such a proponent of marijuana and and the positive effects on it. And he's never, ever really discussed the negatives from what I've listened to. Um, it's good to hear him actually discussing both sides of that story. I know he had people on to debate the, um, the marijuana laws recently and all that sort of shit. But um, I think it's good to hear him finally, maybe he's realizing that after smoking weed for 30 years, it's just like any other drug and it's fucking with his head. Um, yeah. Yeah. So that was good. Good to listen to parts of that. So all you got to do is basically uh, Google Joe Rogan uh, and Alex Jones. You would have seen bloody, there's memes from it, him losing his mind over abortion and uh, all these other things and them taking babies' parts. And he's, he has a lot of, um, a lot of interesting takes and some of them are quite hard to deal with. If you go on his Infos Wars site, I mean, all of the, 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 the news articles that they pump out are all very inflammatory and very just to get you clicking um, without much real backing or substance. You'll find a lot of theories, but without much, um, without too much actual factual support. Uh, following on from Alex Jones, obviously the big news of the week, we had Cardinal George Pell uh, getting arrested and getting charged, should I say. We covered a lot of that on the Brass Monkey podcast. 
Something that has been baffling me a little bit with the whole thing is Tony Abbott and John Howard's written and verbal support of the of Cardinal Pell after um, after he he was uh, convicted, which is just disgusting. If you ask me, uh, makes me sick. But I don't expect much else from these these uh, politicians. But uh, John Howard's character reference for Cardinal Pell is enough to make you sick. So this is the letter that John Howard wrote to the judge after he'd been convicted and he was waiting to receive his term. So this was pleading with the judge, John Howard pleading with the judge to give a convicted pedophile um, a lesser term. This character reference is provided in the context of the charges being dealt with in relation to Cardinal Pell. I'm aware he has been convicted of those charges, that an appeal against the conviction has been lodged and that he maintains his innocence in respect to all these charges. None of these matters alter my opinion of the Cardinal. So none of these matters, the fact that he, John Howard's aware he's been convicted of the charges, right? So he's aware he's been convicted of child sex abuse. None of that alters his opinion of the Cardinal. I've known Cardinal Pell for approximately 30 years. We first became acquainted when he was, I think, an Archbishop of Sydney. So he goes on to talk about how well he knows him. Cardinal Pell is a person of high intelligence and exemplary character, strength and sincerity have always been features of his personality. I've always found him to be lacking hypocrisy and can't. In his chosen vocation, he has frequently displayed much courage and held to his values and beliefs, irrespective of prevailing wisdom at the time. Cardinal Pell is a lively conversationalist who maintains a deep and objective interest in contemporary social and political issues. Blah, 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 blah. It is my view that he has dedicated his life to his nation and his church. Yours sincerely, John fucking Howard. When Tony Abbott and John Howard released these letters of support, the first thing, one of the first things that came to my mind was Senator Bill Heffernan's statement to the parliament in October of 2015, which I will try and play through the headphones now. As many of you know, I am shit with technology, but let's see how we go. Uh, if it doesn't play and you can't hear it, well, we'll just have to edit it out at a later time. Here goes nothing. Okay, so that was a statement Bill Heffernan made in 2015 to the Australian Parliament stating that he's received a document 
from police that says an ex-Prime Minister is on the pedophile watch list. That is extremely concerning to think that shortly after this, Heffernan had to leave politics. He's quite old, so I understand maybe he just left on his own accord. But the fact is we've had two prime ministers, prominent prime ministers that have continued to support a pedophile priest and a priest who has supported other pedophiles such as Gerald Ridsdale, which they knew at that time. So they all knew Gerald Ridsdale has been convicted of, I think, 85 um, sexually sexual abuse um, cases against children. Our two prime ministers, recent prime ministers, have come out in utmost support of this fucked up, sick and twisted man. Something reeks here. I don't think it's too hard to join the dots. And I'm not saying I'm not saying what Heffernan has said um, has it relates what Heffernan said relates to either of these two men, but I think we need to know the names of who is in that police report as a population, and I don't know why we don't, especially if it's Prime Minister. Um so we discussed that over at the Brass Monkey Pod. Sozware and I got pretty heated. We were pretty upset by the whole situation. Understandably, I think it's something that's going to be an ongoing, um, an ongoing issue. I really hope that something comes out of Tony Abbott and John Howard's defence of this sick, sick man. Um, because there is so many videos of these two people um, showing their support for this absolute prick. So, yeah. And another side note with this, in the US media there is no reports of a Cardinal Pell um, getting convicted, which I find deeply, deeply uh, concerning when you think that this is the guy that was in the Vatican C9. So he was in the Pope C9, apparently the third most powerful person in the church in the world. Um, so the C9 is the confidant of the, the nine um, basically uh, advisors to the Pope and he was one of them. And I, I, I can't understand. They sheltered him for several years. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm concerned and I'm a little bit perplexed as to why this isn't getting more coverage overseas. Anyway, you can go follow the case. You can look at several um, news websites and uh, look deep into this because there's some horrible, horrible stuff that's surrounding this whole case. The amount of cover-ups, the amount of support, um, the amount of just uh, concerning people that are around this case, it's... It's definitely something that uh, everyone should be following. So from that, I'm thinking we're maybe going to move to a bit of a lighter note. All right. Now, taking a bit of a veer off on the issue, on the serious issues, uh, freshly back from Japan, those that are longtime listeners of the podcast would know 
uh, co-host, um, samurai extraordinaire, sushi making um, ninja, essentially, Bennett Howard, uh, lives over in Japan at the moment, Head, headed over there and spent some time to catch up with him. I love Japan. Such a great country to go visit. So uh, so friendly and such a great um, such a great great country. As far as I, every time I get there, I'm always feel like the the culture is so humble, so welcoming. So this time headed up from Tokyo, straight up from Tokyo to uh, Hakuba. I was going to do a little little rundown to end up this pod and or to segment through this pod of a few travel hacks when you go on to Japan. So when you get off the plane in Japan, one thing you're going to realize is uh, it's it's quite the airport's quite a ways from the main city of Tokyo. So what you're going to want to do is work out how you're going to get to the city. And one of the biggest traps and one of the most expensive things you'll find in Japan is transportation. Transportation will get you. It costs close to about, from the main airport, which is in Narita, costs close to about 200 Aussie um, to get from the airport to just the center, you know, say Tokyo Central. And to get a train um, is about 80 bucks as well. So things like that you don't consider when you go to somewhere like Japan that a lot of things are cheap, like food is quite cheap, but travel and getting around is quite expensive. I went all the ways up to uh, Hakuba to go snowboarding and hang out with a bit of a crew up there, had a great time, really, really fun little little uh, snowboarding town. I, I hadn't been snowboarding for about... 16 years so the body wasn't really ready for it on my first 20 meter uh run i basically ate shit landed on my shoulder and i was ready to call it uh but then sort of uh had a second day up there and 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 really enjoyed it i guess something with Japan and going to the snow in Japan, it's a lot different to your Banffs or your Colorados. It seems to me from memory, I mean, and as I'm saying, um, it's been a long time between snowboarding drinks for me and I'm definitely not in my physical condition that I once was. But the it's it seems a lot harder in Japan as far as, just the runs and and the the slope of the mountain it seems fucking it seems way more intense but that could be because I'm a fat bastard now and I've I've chucked on the uh the odd keg or two but uh so so one thing to be mindful of in Japan is, is the transportation so going back to that jump on have a get a bit of a plan with your transportation if it was me I mean, I don't know how hard this would be, but I would probably have a crack if I if I went with my family or something else or a group again. I'd probably drive a car and get a really good GPS because, you know, for instance, getting from Hakuba, which is about five hours from uh, Narita Airport, it costs roughly, I think, $400 in 
sort of just transportation, different trains and buses and things like that. So if I was going back to Japan, I'd be mindful of that and I'd just be basically doing a bit of fucking research. That's a, that's a smart way. See, I don't research. I plan to do this trip. Maybe, oh, I want to say a week and a half before I left. So, yeah, for me, put in a bit of research probably. Uh, things are things are amazing over there though. Those things that are really cheap. They do these, we were calling them lock-ins, but I don't think they are lock-ins where you essentially can go into a restaurant and pay for all you can drink. Uh, for roughly two hours or 90 minutes. And it works out to be about $20 for all you can drink. And I mean, that can get anyone in trouble. So look out for those things. If you're a drinker, if you're not a drinker, don't look out for those things. But the thing with Japan is everywhere you go, the food is incredible. So you can just turn on to a different part of you know the street and everywhere you go, there's there's great food. So um, my, my other hack would be get immersed in the culture. Don't be afraid to go to different places, try different things. 100% hit up karaoke. Get in that karaoke bar, belt out a few banging tunes. Those that follow the read pod on old Insta would have seen a few, a few of our tunes getting belted out. Um, Look, we hit up hit up some big numbers there. We started off with a bit of Toto. Close the night off, I think, with Queen, which is just, I feel like it's a ceremonial closing karaoke song, a bit of Bohemian Rhapsody. But uh, look, in between, we went Blink-182. Realized Blink-182 is actually the ultimate karaoke music because the lyrics are short and sharp. You're not getting lost in long... Uh, hard to follow lyrics. So that's a little bit of advice for those um, looking looking to uh, looking to get amongst the karaoke and have a bit of fun with that. Overall, Japan can't recommend it enough. It is just such an enjoyable, exciting place to go with so many different um, influences and cultures all come into one. People are great. It's a clean uh, friendly country. And yeah, we love it over here at the Reed Pod. We really, really enjoy it. So that's the Japan extravaganza. One thing I almost forgot though, something that really comes back to the whole humble, uh, I guess, lifestyle in Japan is I just think it's amazing the the sort of respect they have for the work that they do over there. You'll see like a taxi driver or someone else and the care that they take into doing their job and doing their, those small individual tasks. It's something I really took away from going there and it's it's not something that it sort of didn't fall on death ears with me. I, I really, I don't know, for this time it really it really hit me and, and taking those taking really care in those, you know, whether it be letting someone into a car or um, introducing to yourself, uh, introducing yourself to someone and looking them in the eye properly and doing a proper introduction, just those little things and how important they are in uh, society. 
And they also have that thing, and I think I've discussed on the pod the last time I was in Japan, had a flat tire on on the old bicycle as I was hooking around on on the way from, uh, I think I was going from Shinjuku to uh, Harajuku or something. And I uh, got a flat tire and uh, within five seconds, there was people running down and changing my tire and things like that. And it's just coming back to Australia and, you know, jumping behind the wheel and uh, of your car and sort of getting back into the mundane lifestyle. Not mundane lifestyle, but the, the lifestyle we have here where people do not really, you know, they don't look really look out for each other here anymore. I'm sure it was, there was a time when people did do that, but I feel that's lost in Australian culture. That's, that's for sure. And, uh, the, the care in the, this, the, the individual tasks and the, the different tasks, whether it be, you know, you're an accountant or whether it be, um, in manufacturing or driving a taxi or whatever, taking care in and taking pride in doing whatever you're doing and doing it sort of doing it to your best of your, your ability, it seems. So yeah, that was a really positive takeaway and they look after their cars extremely well. That was one thing that I really didn't, uh, didn't notice all that much. So, um, on my previous trip, but, but yeah, they're little things, but they're just things that you sometimes pick up with a country and you, you notice as you leave and you, you try to take it with you. Well, it's been two days. So, uh, yeah. So Japan, Japan for you, tra- tra- uh, Japan travel hacks, try to say that 10 times. All right. Well, now getting to the part of the podcast that all you degenerate gamblers, Really just, this is all you want. This is all I'm, I just keep, keep, keep getting hit up from all of you, uh, guys and girls, uh, wanting these gambling tips, wanting to know what's happening on the punt. Uh, but the truth is, Repot has taken a big, uh, big sort of hiatus from the punt. Have had a little, uh, have had a little flutter of late, actually heading down to a horse race in Melbourne uh, in the next week or so, which is pretty exciting, um, which will be sort of my, uh, I guess my rebirth back into gambling for a little bit. But yeah, there hasn't been much that's jumped out at me. The surfing, as we've discussed at length, has become awfully fucking boring and even more boring to bet on. There's a few good guys, but we want to we want to watch the first um, the first contest get underway before we throw any money down on the surfing. Um, we'll see how many events we make it through this year, but yeah, as a sport, that's sort of that's wavered. NBA, we've liked to punt on the NBA and have had some big big winners in the past. So, what we've got to take a quick look at on this wrapping up of the read pod is a few, uh, a few odds that are going to jump out at us. And I have been speaking quite extensive, uh, extensively with a few mates who like to bet on NBA. And apparently the money is coming off golden state. Yes. You wouldn't believe it, but the money is going elsewhere at the moment. And many of you, many of you NBA heads might sit there and go, oh, 
That's outrageous. Who would have thought? It is hard to three-peat people. They are playing extremely well, but it's hard to three-peat. The markets indicate that. They've dropped down from $1.20 to $1.45 in the space of about three weeks. That's a huge drop for a team that was considered a sure thing. Obviously, the uh, the teams that are closer and and the next next few teams, such as the Raptors and the Bucks, they're sitting at ten to one and eleven to one accordingly. But the Heat's coming off Golden State, coming closer into these finals, and as we've indicated in a previous pod, you should have a look at where you could put your money elsewhere. And all of this, and while doing all of this, let's let's always keep it clear: bet responsibly. Don't bet over your head. Don't be an idiot. Don't be on the way to the shops and, you know, you're meant to get the groceries for the week and you think, oh shit, I'll just put, I'll put the grocery money on this gambling. Don't be doing that. Don't spend your bus fare, you know, your last five bucks on, you know, Felipe Toledo to win a heat in the surfing. Don't do that. Only bet with the money that you can afford to lose. Otherwise, you're just being silly. So, what, and these aren't even controversial. And I'm at the point with people talking to people about basketball. I know my shit. I'm not going to pretend to talk to you if you think you, uh, especially when it comes to betting on it. I've, I've I've done reasonably on my NBA betting. So, the proof is in the pudding as they say. So I've got a few reasons for why I'm going to spread a bit of love around and just see where this this money falls. Um, and they're all just going to be NBA championship bets right now. This is just, look, who wants to have a little bit of fun at teams that I think that could have a chance to have a run at the, uh, at the back-to-back champions, the Golden State Warriors. Not necessarily saying these people are better. This is for gambling, people. Don't come at me with your stats. Oh, I'm getting heated. And so heated at this end part of the read pod. We've gone through love and zen life in Japan and bam, we're back into the gambling. And this is where you, you degenerate listeners, you just love the read pod for the gambling gambling action you, you want to know. So without further ado... I'm going to slap my lazy read pod 500 bucks and I'm going to split it up into separate bets. I'm going to start off by putting 100 on the Oklahoma City Thunder. The grudge match to end all grudge matches. Just imagine the Western Conference, the playoffs come down and we get a Warriors-Thunder uh, series. That is going to be one of the most heated series you could wish for. Good matchups. Paul George has been playing well. He's taking his foot off the pedal a bit come the latter half of the season. He was in MVP discussion up until recently, but at 26 to 1, that's $26 to 1. Slap 100 on that. And this is not your, it's not your shopping money, guys. This is just your, this is your winnings from the last time you, you were having a little flutter. So this is just, you know, off you go with it. So let's put a hundred bucks down on uh, OKC. Many reasons. 
Um, I reckon the Warriors are going to – I'm just – this is crystal ball style, you know, um, fortune teller, tarot card sort of shit. I'm seeing the Golden State Warriors falling apart in the weeks before the finals and the first few weeks of the finals. Um, I'm seeing disenchantedness. I'm seeing all sorts of shit happen. Uh, yeah, so 26 bucks. I actually think OKC have one of the best teams in the NBA when they're all firing as far as they're not, the skill level's obviously not there with Golden State. I'm not going to keep reiterating that. But when Paul George is playing extremely well, they're a threat. Um, and also Russ, there's some. there's got to be some hate there. There's got to be some sort of built-up tension. Uh, moving up. We move over to the Eastern Conference uh, prospects and we've got the Boston Celtics and uh, the 76ers sitting in there and the Rockets, uh, not the Rockets, uh, and the Bucks, who are the shorter sides at the moment. I think it's too early for the Bucks. I think it's one year too early at 11 to 1, probably going to stay away from them. I think they're a great team. I think they're incredible. I just don't think this is their year. I think maybe another, I think they need another year under their belt. Hopefully they go deep. Um, Celtics and 76ers, Celtics at 17 to 1. Geez, if you had had them at the start of the year at 17 to 1, you probably would have jumped at that. Not too bad of money, but fuck, they're hating each other. The whole team's been hating each other, bitching, whinging. Mm. For me, I would be putting my lazy hundred or let's go, let's up it because we're only going to do two more bets. Um, my lazy 200. I'd be going on the Philadelphia 76ers. Yeah, to make it out of the East and take out the Golden State Warriors. Just imagine that final series. They've got some, they've got a huge team, a big, big lineup. Um, yeah, it'd be interesting. It'd be very interesting. Interesting mashups on both ends of the floor. I'm chucking 200 on Philadelphia 76ers at 14 to 1. Doing yourself a lazy uh, 2,800 bucks. Houston Rockets. Yep. This has got to be a year. If it's not, shit, it's very concerning. 14 to 1 once again. Our last 200, we're slapping it on you to take home the 2,800 buckaroonies. And you know what? That's it. That is all the gambling talk I can do on this read pod for this episode because I'm keeping it light on the gambling at the moment. I'm just, you know got to try to behave yourself here. You can't just podcast and gamble your life away. So those that have been listening, uh, I have been recording weekly shows, a uh, new show, which I co-host with Brother Soren over at the Brass Monkey Podcast. Please go over there, jump it, subs- jump on it, subscribe. Uh, Going to still drop episodes over here, uh, maybe frequently, maybe not so frequently. Big rumors in the podcast world that Japanese correspondent is coming back to podcasting. Can't confirm or deny um, that our Japanese correspondent, Bennett Howard, could be making a huge return uh, to getting onto, uh, getting back onto the podcast train. So, look, we're here. We're giving you content, giving you winners giving you travel tips, just living. Uh, I want you to all have a great week. Uh, Have a good time out there. Stay safe. Enjoy yourselves. 
subscribe and thank you for listening. Have a good one.